Hello and welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is where we talk about money, investing and all things personal finance. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and it's my mission to help you make the best financial decisions because money is a tool, life is for living. But first, a couple of words for me. If you don't know already, I have a new monthly magazine, which is now out. You can go and join that magazine subscription list. It is free at theconvo.io. That's theconvo.io. Also, if you're completely unaware, I also have a Discord group, which I would love for you to join. It's going to be a small community where I can take questions from you, where we can build a deeper relationship. There will be a link to that in the show notes. Good morning, good morning. How are we, everybody? Welcome back to the Conversation of Money podcast. I'm Pete. I am your host. And uh, if you've not joined the Discord group just yet, please consider doing so. The link is in the show notes. I don't know if anybody actually looks at the show notes. Do you look at the show notes? If you don't, maybe you should. Anyway, I want to talk a little bit about um, tax. Uh, As you probably heard, uh, our Chancellor has uh, got himself into a little bit of hot water uh with his wife not uh paying for taxes what she's basically done is she's registered as non-dom which according to the tax laws here in the uk five million people are doing currently and what that essentially means is that you pay a thirty thousand pound fee every single year to register as non-dom which means that hmrc cannot tax any income you have from foreign sources it is a legal thing to do, and I've had a lot of backlash um, pointing that out um, over the course of this last weekend. However, I don't want to dwell on that specifically for this episode. I want to talk about tax and tax allowances because we are in a new tax year now, which means that all of your ISA allowances, your your uh, pension allowances, your all those nice juicy freebies that we get from the government those are all reset as of last week which means that if you are looking to invest you're looking to save because the first rule of financial planning is tax efficiency this really should be the first place that you're looking at so i did a video um on tuesday last week which was the day before the new tax year started on the 6th explaining the different types of ISAs, the ISA allowances for 2022 slash 23. Um, and in that, I highlighted five ISAs that you could potentially use this current tax year. And I answered some FAQs in that video as well. I'm also going to link that video to the show notes because I think it will be worthwhile you just watching that in its entirety. But what I do want to do in this episode is maybe touch on the different kinds of ISAs that you actually have as well, and maybe try to get underneath the um, technicalities, maybe some of the nuances around ISAs, because it can be quite confusing um, if you're new to ISAs. And if you are new to the podcast, um, what I try to do here is break down financial products and services and concepts into easily understood concepts so that you can basically make the best decision for yourself without having to second guess yourself uh, too much. So with that being said, there are five kinds of ISAs that you can use this current tax year. Now, it's important to understand what the tax year is. So the tax year runs from April the 6th each year all the way to April 5th. So April the 6th, which was last Wednesday, um, basically marks the beginning of the new tax year, 2022 and 2023. It ends 
April the 5th, 2023. Then obviously from April the 6th, 2024, the new tax year then begins for the tax years 2024, 2025. So really important to understand how the tax year works. Unfortunately, it's not as simple as January to January. <laughs> that would be way, way, way too simple. Um, but no, uh, the tax year is April the 6th to April the 5th each year. Now, the first type of ISA that you have is um, a cash ISA. So, cash ISA. Let's talk about ISAs first, actually. An ISA is an individual savings account. And that basically means that you as an individual can pay money into this account. And because it is an individual account, you can't have it as a joint. But the benefit about an ISA is that you have a £20,000 allowance given to you every single tax year. It renews every tax year on April the 6th. And if you don't use it, you essentially lose it. But the £20,000 that you can put into this account is completely tax-free. It is free from all income tax, capital gains tax, dividends tax, you name it. It's completely 100% tax-free, which means that if you're lucky enough to put £20,000 in during the tax year, and let's just say it grows to, I don't know, £25,000, £30,000, completely tax-free, you pay no tax. And if you did use your ISA to generate an income later on in life, say when you retire, the income is also tax-free. So as a way of avoiding tax legally, this is a great place to start. Now, there are five types of ISAs. The first one is a cash ISA. The cash ISA will be an ISA that sits with your building society or your bank, your high street bank. Now, if you're going to be looking at a cash ISA, there's a few things that you need to know. First and foremost, what are we struggling with at this point in time? Inflation, cost of living, cost of things going up around us. That's inflation, essentially. Inflation is at a 30-year high. So 6.4%, I believe, was the number, um, February to February um, this year. And that basically means that if you're going to go and have a look at a cash ISA, in, an, in the ideal world, you would be looking at, at an interest rate that equals or beats the rate of inflation. So 6% plus. Unfortunately, if you've uh, been walking down the high street recently, you will know that that's not remotely possible because interest rates at the moment are extremely low. We've seen the Bank of England base rate increase to 0.75%, but it's a long way off the levels of inflation that we're seeing right now. So with that in mind, it means that if you go and put money into a cash ISA, in real terms, in reality, if you go and put 500 quid in there, over the course of the year, because inflation is at six, it's rumored to get to like eight or 9%, you're going to effectively lose your purchasing power. So that 500 quid isn't going to purchase the same thing that it could do today in nine months time if inflation continues to soar and you're not able to offset that with an interest rate. Now with interest at the moment, you might be lucky if you get a 1% cash ISA. Um, the benefit that you have with the cash ISA is it's liquid money. So it's easy for you to access. It's not locked up. Um, you could do potentially notice accounts within your ISA. That will probably give you a little bit more in terms of the interest. But again, it won't be anywhere near the levels of inflation. And in a notice account, you may have to give 30 days notice or 60 days notice or 90 days notice to access the cash. The point is because it's in a cash ISA, it's easily accessible either on an instant basis or on a notice basis. But with that, you're not going to have any investment risk whatsoever. So that's a cash ISA. 
The second type is a stocks and shares ISA. Now, this is probably the most popular one that I talk about because a stocks and shares ISA is essentially an investment ISA. So it's invested in the stock market. And with that, you're going to have the investment risk. So the old adage, when you invest, your capital is at risk. You could get back less than you put in. This applies with this type of ISA. As long as you're happy with the risk that you're that you're taking when you invest into an ISA, remember what I said at the beginning in terms of what an ISA is. An ISA is completely tax-free. So if you take the risk and the investment performs really, really well, let's just say you put £20,000 in, it goes to £35,000, £40,000, it's completely tax-free. So you're giving yourself a better chance for your money to work for you and grow over a period of time. However, you will encounter volatile periods where the markets might be up, the markets might be down. If you're new to investing, this is a great place to start, as in investing in an ISA, but you also have to be aware of how your money going up and down could make you feel. A lot of people struggle with this, particularly when they start out, because effectively, it means that you could be you could be looking at your investment values one day and it's gone up, you know, by a hundred pounds, but the next day it's gone down by fifty pounds. And you've got to be able to regulate how you're going to react to that kind of stuff. There are different ways in which you can invest. Um, previous episodes will help you understand how you can go about investing. But a stock to shares ISA is a very very popular option, but you do have the investment risk associated with it. Right. So the third one is a junior ISA. Now, junior ISAs are great for parents. So if you've had kids and you want to put some money aside for their futures, maybe you want to put some money aside to help with university fees or maybe getting their first car, uh, buying their first home, this is a great way for you to save for your child. Your child, every tax year, so again, April the 6th to April the 5th, will get an allowance of £9,000. That's £9,000. Great thing about Junior ISA is anybody can contribute into it. You as parents can contribute, grandparents, great-grandparents, uncles, aunties, nephews, friends, families, colleagues. They can all contribute into this Junior ISA for your child's benefit. One of the big uh, drawbacks with a junior ISA is that because when your child turns 18, they're going to take ownership of that money, a lot of parents are a little worried that their child will reach 18 and maybe use the money irresponsibly, right? Um, I've definitely seen it in my career where the big concern is, is it going to go on drugs, alcohol, and uh, nonsense, basically. Um, and I always say that, you know, if you do have kids, this is where your parenting skills and conversations around money, uh, I like the pun there, conversations of money, around money, um, comes in. Because you've really got to have conversations with your kid about, you know, the value of money, the fact that people have worked hard to build this, you know, what you would like them to to use the money for. Maybe building in with them the conversation about, you know, property and, you know, responsible financial decisions. That's going to be very, 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 very important. So some parents feel confident in doing this some parents don't if you don't then you know things like this podcast will really really help you i guess um because it's all about upping your financial acumen um this is going to be really really important for your kids so 
you have to have those conversations to make sure that they at least use the money for something that you feel um, is in their best interest. And I guess for many parents aligns with the way you would love them or like them or envisage them to spend the money. Um, if you have children already, and maybe you have the old child trust funds, a junior ice is a good alternative to that. You know, with, with the old child trust funds, they're no longer available, but they're quite pricey. You can be paying circa 1% per year for a child trust fund. Um, consider having a look at comparing the child trust fund and the junior ice. I think you'll find that the charging structure for junior ices are a lot more competitive than child trust funds. Um, in fact, nowhere near 1%. I did... Um, a video on YouTube uh, with a brand Beanstalk. They um, basically are junior ISA specialist, and they are able to help you transfer child trust funds into ju into junior ISAs as well. So what I will do is I will leave their link in the show notes as well. So if you're a parent, you want to explore that, go and check out that link too. The fourth type of ISA that we have is a lifetime ISA. Now you've probably heard about this because if you're looking to purchase your first home or you're looking for an alternative to plan for retirement outside of your pension, then lifetime ISAs are really, really cool. So lifetime ISAs um, are essentially there to help you get on the property ladder or retire. Now with a lifetime ISA, you can have a cash ISA and a stocks and shares ISA within a lifetime ISA. The key thing to remember is, remember your tax allowance for the new tax year or for all the current tax years at the moment is £20,000. Your lifetime ISA, you can put £4,000 into it max. That is inclusive of the £20,000 allowance. So in other words, if you have a lifetime ISA, be it a cash or a stock and shares one, you can put £4,000 in. If you did that, the remaining tax free allowance that you have is only 16,000 pounds. 16,000 plus 4,000 equals your total of 20,000 pounds. So that's worthwhile bearing in mind. Now with Lifetime ISA, I think it's really, really important to acknowledge if you're gonna open one of these, what you're using it for. Um, if you're using it to purchase a home, you need to be fairly certain that you are gonna use it to purchase a home because otherwise, what happens with the lifetime ISA is they give you a 25% bonus. So if you pay in 4,000 pounds, you're gonna get 1,000 pounds free from the government. And that is designed to help you get on the property ladder. Now, if you, draw, if you draw the money out of your lifetime ISA for any other reason beyond using it to purchase a, a house, deposit that is, or using it for income when you retire, you have to pay a penalty. Now, I did a video about this again on YouTube. It's, a, it's, it's quite sneaky, but it's one that's worthwhile bearing in mind. So it means that if you were to take money out, right? And I think the number that I used prior was if you put something like uh, 500 pounds into a lifetime ISA, the 25% bonus that you would get would mean that you would have um, an additional 125 pounds on there. So your 500 pounds turns into 125 pounds. Now let's just say that you did 
sorry, £625. Now, let's just say you needed to take out money and it wasn't because you're purchasing a house. What you would have to do is you would have to pay back 25% of the 625 So what that basically means is it would cost you £156.25. So that's more than the bonus you actually got when you went in in the first place. So it's worthwhile bearing in mind that you have to be clear on the purpose that you're going to be using a lifetime ISA for. If it's outside of, you know, buying, using it as a deposit for your first home or for retirement purposes, then you really need to think carefully because the penalty could hurt you a bit later on. You could basically be paying more back in penalties than what you actually put in in some instances. Um, the other thing to bear in mind with a lifetime ISA is if you are looking at it as a vehicle to, I guess, fund retirement outside of a pension, Again, the limits are important here. £4,000 per tax year is the limit on a, on a lifetime ISA. With a pension, it's £40,000. So quite a big, big difference. You can't open a lifetime ISA if you are over the age of 40. You have to be between 18 and under the age of 40 to open a lifetime ISA. And with a lifetime ISA for retirement purposes, there are certain age restrictions on when you can continue to pay into the lifetime ISA and when you can actually use it to draw an income. You really need to sit down and make sure you're doing a very, very thorough comparison between a lifetime ISA and a pension. The big advantage that a lifetime ISA has over a pension is that unlike a pension where you are locked in by current legislation to not be able to access your money at age 55, with a lifetime ISA, you can take your money whenever you want, bearing in mind you'll pay the penalty. So, few things to just bear in mind there. The last one is an innovative finance ISA. An innovative finance ISA is essentially one of those ISAs where you're supporting new businesses. Um, think of it as crowdfunding. Um, it can be quite high risk, but the rewards, uh, the rates that they offer you on these are actually quite attractive. And if you have the stomach for this, it could be really, really good. Um, but just bear in mind that because they're offering you a higher rate, the risk is going to be significantly more. But if you get it right and you pick something that's 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 spot on, again, it's completely tax-free. I personally don't know that many people who use this. I don't use it myself, but it is an option uh, there for you if you have the appetite to support new budding companies that may be a success in the future. But please just do your research on the companies and make sure that you're fully okay with the terms and conditions around how you're putting money with these companies. A lot of the time, there can be restrictions with your with you getting your money back. So you want to make sure you're going into it with your eyes wide open. Right, so maybe I'm going to answer some FAQs here. Um, one of the big common questions that I get with an ISA is, can you have more than one? Um, the simple answer to that is, um, no, you can't. Well, you can as well. So let me explain. So you can't have more than one of those five ISAs that I've mentioned. So you can't have more than one cash ISA. You can't have more than one stocks and shares ISA. You can't have more than one lifetime ISA, more than one junior ISA, more than one innovative finance ISA. You're restricted to one, which means that when you are deciding which ISA you want to use, you also need to decide which provider you're going to use. Whether you're a free trade person, a trade, trading 212 person, or you're a Vanguard, Hargis Lansdowne kind of person, you need to choose your provider and be clear on your provider because you cannot open 
um, a cash, uh, an investment ISA or stocks and shares ISA with Vanguard and Hargreaves Lansdowne. You can't do that. Um, you could, in theory, open a lifetime ISA with Moneybox, for example, because they have a really good um, lifetime ISA, cash and stocks and shares lifetime ISA. And then, because obviously a lifetime ISA allowance is £4,000 of your £20,000, you could open a Moneybox lifetime ISA and then have a, a Vanguard stocks and shares ISA for 16k that's completely within the rules but you just need to make sure that you are playing within the rules again if you need to kind of come back and re-listen back to this episode just for clarity I would encourage you to do that but the rules the ISA rules are very 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 important so make sure you're aware of that but typically speaking just ask yourself if you have more than one of any of those five types of ISAs that I've listed here. Another frequently asked question that I get is, you know, can I, can I have, can I open um, more than one ISA account? Do I have to stay with the same provider? The answer to that is no, you don't have to stay with the same provider. So for example, if last tax year you had it with Wealthify, for example, and this year you want to have it with Vanguard or Trading212, you're more than welcome to do that. But you have to remember the cutoff dates for the tax year. So April the 6th to April the 5th, within that period of time, one type of ISA with one provider, in the exception of the example that I gave before with a lifetime ISA. Okay, so just please bear that in mind. But you don't have to stick with uh, a provider that you choose and stay with them forever. You can shop around. The next one that I get is, well, could or should I close down my old ISAs and transfer or pay the money into a new provider? I always say that you should never, ever, ever, ever close down an ISA, close it, cash it out, and then try and pay that money into a new provider. This is the reason why. So your allowance is £20,000 per year. Imagine that you've been with a provider X and over the course of maybe a number of tax years, you've managed to, to get £30,000 in there. If you go and close that account and want to take that money from that account to provider Z, well, your allowance is only £20,000. You've got £30,000. So the best way of doing this is to identify who you want to transfer the ISA to, so provider Z, then ask provider Z to transfer your ISA from provider Y. It's very, very simple. You literally just fill in a form. And within the uh, processing times, they have 30 days to transfer the ISA from provider Y over to provider Z. It's very, very simple to do. But please don't go and close ISA accounts and move them over. Even if you haven't used the full ISA allowance, by closing one down and moving it into another one, physically paying cash into a new one, you're using your new tax year allowance by doing so and you don't have to if you just transfer so if you had five thousand pounds with provider y you wanted to go to provider z if you close down that account for five thousand pounds and then paid it into provider z z provider z um you haven't obviously got enough to breach your tax allowance but you're using up your new tax allowance whereas if you transferred it from provider y to provider z as i previously described you're not using up any of your £20,000 tax allowance in the current tax year. 
Hopefully that makes sense. If not, reach out to me on Instagram and I can provide some clarity. But again, the video that I uh, will link in the show notes will give you a bit more of a breakdown of all of this. Anyway, guys, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, let me just say this. Look, if you are not currently paying into an ISA or planning to pay, pay into an ISA, I would strongly encourage you to. You know, if you don't use your allowance, you will lose it. And if you don't have the stomach to invest, you can put it into a stock, into a cash ISA. The, the idea here is that you can park it in there and it can't be touched for tax. You know, it's a good thing. It's a very, 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 very good thing. But just remember, if you're going to be looking in, into stocks and shares ISA and investment ISAs, you will carry the risk to so make sure that you're okay, educated, aware of what level of risk you're willing to take, how long you're investing for, why you're investing, all of the good stuff that I always talk about here on the podcast. But as always, I appreciate you for listening. Um, Thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing week. I will catch you next Monday. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes.